If you've invested in your business, chances are you've funded future growth potential through leverage and after filling out loan applications and undergoing credit checks. In the stock market, using debt is often called gearing. The new BetaShares Wealth Builder Funds, ASX ticker symbols G200 and GHHF, offer moderate gearing across Australian and global shares for investors who are comfortable with the higher risks associated with gearing their investments. You can discover how they work by visiting betashares.com.au. Please don't forget that gearing magnifies gains and losses, so read the relevant PDS and TMD on the website and consider if the fund is right for you. BetaShares Capital Limited is the issuer. Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Daniel and Jordan from Grayspace. How are you going, guys? Good. How are you? Good. Good. Pretty good. Pretty good. I remember last week we opened. Uh, it was a pretty funny opening. We didn't really have anything to back that up this week. But um, I'll, I'll tell you something happened to me recently. I got a, uh, a copy of this book, Clear Thinking. This is from Shane Parrish, who I'm interviewing in a few weeks. He's like a New York Times number one bestseller or something. So it's like huge, right? I ordered the book on Amazon. But because I ordered the hard copy, they don't print it in Australia. Um, I don't think. So it took like four weeks to get here and I forgot that I'd ordered it. And then I ordered the next, the other one yesterday, just the normal one. And it came within eight hours. Amazon. <laughs> so I got them at exactly the same time. And I was like, huh, I wonder what's in this other packet. I was like, oh, okay. So two of the same book. I thought that was interesting. Um, but that's not my learning for this week. Normally for the Australian business podcast, when we go live every Friday at midday, um, I just ask that we all bring one thing that we've learned or one lesson that we can distill upon the audience we've got some questions sent in advance if you are joining us live on youtube g'day uh, you can use the chat function to lodge a question um do you guys have anything yeah um for me a takeaway or i guess piece of advice is like the impact rec- recommending a book can have to someone in their business so i recommended mm. a book to uh, traction which big advocate for to someone and and they've taken it to the next level and really implemented it in their business and yeah, just like the now they're pretty much running the business through the framework that Gina Wickman talks about. So um, that's my takeaway: that the impact just one book can have. Mm. Well, that's that's mm. so good, mate. Yeah, that's great. That's why we give away books at the events, right? Because even though not everyone may be a reader, maybe you know one in ten people that we give a free book to pick it up and finish it. Um, but that one in ten impact is enough for us to justify buying 10 books, you know, and giving them yeah. away. So you, that's mm, sure. spot on. Yeah. It, um, that's cool. What about you, Daniel? Anything? Well, it's actually on the line of books. So um, no secret, oh. I'm not a reader. No <laughs> secret. Um, and I think we were just talking about how little time I seem to have since having the little one to even sort of sit down and do something for myself, which could even be reading. Mm-hmm. So Instagram got me. It recommended a, an app called Headway. So what oh, yeah. it does, it summarizes books into like 15-minute color summaries with an audio. So I got it the other day, and I'm going to keep you guys updated to see if it's, one, worthwhile, two, if it works, three, if it's just a bunch mm. of rubbish. So, so that's something I'm going to be testing out for the next week on so the free trial. 
It's called Headway, and it just summarises um, popular books. So I think I've got the app open right now, um, and the first one that sort of pops up is The Millionaire Next Door. Oh, yeah. Um, so it takes really popular books, and you pick what categories you want to focus on. So this is out of the wealth category, um, and it sort of summarises it. Um, in terms of how effective, how accurate, how good is it, can't answer that just yet. I've only listened to maybe one or two. Um, hmm. But I'll let you guys know. And yeah, cool. it, it might be that solution for people that, like me at the moment, who I haven't managed to find that balance to be able to, you know, hmm. have a bit of time to do a bit of reading, um, just to factor in a little bit of learning into your day because it doesn't take a lot. It's, they're 15 minutes. The, the whole purpose of them is to do 15-minute sort of intervals. That's great. And then you can just take notes if you want to take notes. Yeah, good one. Yeah, That's so it summarizes it. Yeah. They're good. Yeah, cool. They're really good apps. I use um Blinkers personally. It's oh, yeah. the exact same thing. Um, for me, it's like once I've read the book, it's a really good refresher because what I find when I read anyway, just me personally, is like retention can be an issue sometimes. And those those things, those types of apps that Daniel just spoke about, like they're they're perfect to just bring it back to front of mind. Mm. Yeah, and pulling onto that retention point that Jordan just said, that's always been one of my strongest sort of deterrents from reading as well. It's because the time frame could be like a couple of days from you know, let's say I do a bunch of reading, a couple of days later I go back into it. I have not retained the first part. I've forgotten where I'm at, and I start reading again. It's like, what are we? Like, what am I reading about? I don't really understand anymore, and it puts me off. Do you guys ever take just, notes? Yeah, I do. I read. I read most days, and I I do take notes. <clears throat> How do you take notes? Just on a notepad. So I'll flag it on the book on like a. I think you've got one note on the yeah. side of the books. Oh, and I'll highlight, and then I'll go back and and, and take notes that way. I do the um dog tag, whatever they're called. They're reverse uh, dog ears. I do like the reverse yeah. of those. So I like the bigger the dog ear. On the corner of the book, a lot of people don't like mm. this because it's like hurting the book or something. Um, You're evil. Yeah, but um, I do the bigger the tag, like the dog ear. Sorry, the more important that part is in the book, and I should yeah. go back and revisit it. But I also underline and do whatever. I used to back in the day. I used to do notes in the margins and then summarize every every book I read. But I don't do that anymore. It'd be a good way to do it. I think the best, most efficient way that I've come across people doing it is they read the Kindle and where with the Kindle they can um, highlight sections and it tags things as well where you put it like into Evernote or things like that so you can tag items like you would in Notion or Google Docs or whatever you're using. So that's say, for example, on your business, if you wanted to do like, I don't know, like HR, strategies for HR and growth, you could just tag everything HR or team or culture or whatever. I used to do that, but I found the retention, like I didn't retain anything when I was just highlighting and just dumping it. I find that like if you write it and have write in your own words, you retain it a bit better. For sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Just I like agree. uni. Like if you're, if you're at uni and you're copying out a textbook, you're not going to remember it. But if you write it yourself and in your own words, usually mm. I'll remember it. Yeah. On our investors podcast recently, we had um, John Addis, the founder of Intelligent Investor, come on. And he, he, he has the Joan Didion quote, which is... I'm going to forget it. It's um, I write to know what I'm thinking. And it's this idea that like, unless you write something down, you can't identify the weak spots in your thinking and you can't have a clear thought of what you've actually just learned. And I just love that. And that's why with the investing stuff that we do, everything has to be written down and sent to our members. Because if it's not, 
then how do we know that the analysts have got you know clear thoughts and all that um so the thing that i was going to bring to the table is just chatting with some people this week other business owners and whatever um i just realized the importance of clarity and focus like so many businesses set out with really complicated plans or like goals to have this product and that product Um, and oftentimes i see people like empire building like chatting with a lot of business owners this week just one of those weeks and um I think what I found is that there's a common thread of like people trying to do too much at once. Whereas like, if you look at like, you know, you guys know WD-40, like that thing that you can spray on, um, you can like spray on, it's got like a thousand and one uses it says, and you spray it on like door hinges or your bicycle to lubricate your wheels and whatever. That company has been like a phenomenal company for decades and it's only doing one thing, which is just like a lubricant. Like it's literally just that one thing. And that's what it's done well for decades and it's been a success. And I think a lot of people underestimate you can just do one thing and do it exceptionally well. Um, and that's what I've tried to focus on this last couple of weeks actually at Rask is just trying to – like there's going to be some changes coming into the end of the year so that next year we can kind of restart and be a bit fresher in that respect. But, hey, we've got some questions sitting, guys. So um, if you do use any of those um, note-taking apps or whatever or reading uh, tools, let us know because I'd be curious to hear your feedback. Um, the questions that we got in, guys, uh, were really great. Um, one of them, though, we might start in reverse order if that's okay because Jay did write into us. He also sent us an email, which I then forwarded on to you, Jordan. But yeah. people might remember last week that my mind was basically blown here on the uh, the live show every Friday, and it goes on the podcast every Sunday, the Australian Business Podcast. Um, we spoke about the director loans thing. Um, and basically, you guys mentioned that there's some – it needs to be done with an accountant, and so speak to your accountant. But for director loans, um, there's a way for them to be used to buy property. And I think that was really interesting to a lot of people. Was there any more info that we could share or even just push people to? Because I think a lot of people would be interested in this, like Jay. Yeah, um, I think it does a – yeah, go, so, go, go for it. Go for it. Yeah, so the ATO generally has a really good breakdown of it. Um, okay. So if you sort of just even Google it, um, well, I'm sure we can share a link. Yeah, we will. To that you know specific page on the ATO website. Um, uh, you know, we love the ATO website. I think they've done a really good job, sort of paraphrasing legislation and making it in a very um, readable fashion for most taxpayers. So that's where I would probably be referring to, um, mm-hmm. just to get like your theory behind it, but in the application of how it applies to you, I'd probably speak to one of your advisors. Yeah. Okay. So, am I on the right? Uh, am I on the right page here when I share my screen for anyone that's watching? Just using your business money and assets for private purposes. Um, um, no, you probably. It's under um, private company benefits division seven A. I can put it in the private company benefits. Okay. So we'll put this link in the show notes. Um, yeah, that's that's it there. That second one, division seven A dividends. Uh, yeah, so we'll put this uh, link in there, but I would strongly like Jay got in touch with us. If you want, to, if you do run a company and you're a director of that company, and property is something that might be interested to you um, in the next few years, just please reach out to the Gray Space guys. This is like where you get expert advice, and it can pay literal dividends, perhaps. So, uh, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, have a chat with the guys. Uh, we, I was very interested in this, and I'll be following you guys up in time. Um, okay, so that was that one, um, just to nip that in the bud. But there are a couple of other questions sent in advance, and one of them 
um, was quite long. We'll get to that one last. But this one, we're going to do a separate episode on, and it comes from Amazing OT. And the question was, I'm interested to hear more about personal services income and personal service businesses. I've tried to learn many times, and my accountant has gone through it too, but I feel a podcast will be amazing. I work in the healthcare field as a therapist with a mix of client types. Can you guys, maybe Daniel or Jordan, whoever, can you just give us an idea of what this is? Because I've come across this a few times. A lot of people ask questions about this sort of thing. Can you give us like the bird's eye view of like what is this that they're referring to? It's a tough little part of legislation, to be honest. I think it's quite complex um, and there's so many different parts. It's almost like a bit of a maze with the tests. Um and sort of how to pass it, but more or less what it is, it's it's more or less aiming to tax professionals that use more or less just their knowledge to generate income, right? Okay. So they're not using any tools. They're not using um, any specific products. They're not selling things. They're not creating things. It's a trade-off for money versus expertise. So common call it industries, generally like financial professionals, so mm-hmm. from accountants, advisors, brokers, etc., IT consultants, engineers, um, medical practitioners, along those lines where there's a trade-off for knowledge. It's not okay. a tangible product sometimes. Um, and what it is, it's trying to capture the income generated by that into your, call it individual tax return at marginal tax rates, not at business tax rates. Ah, uh, so this might be, just feel free to say it. I'm completely wrong here. So this might be if someone is operating through a company structure or something like this? Yeah, so structuring won't help you in this scenario in, in from a sense that if I was, let's say, for example, I'm an accountant and I don't actually run Grace-based advisory, I'm just an accountant and I go and contract for the Rask group. Yep. And I go, hey, I'm going to be an internal accountant for you, but I'm not going to be your employee. I'm going to invoice you for my services, but I'll work out of your office. I'll use all your IT and all your softwares and all your platforms. I'll use your zero file. I'm just going to go in and trade off my time and knowledge for what you need done. Okay. I'm not really running a business there. Even if I'm set up as a company or a trading trust partnership, whatever it may be, I'm not running a business. I'm simply trading my knowledge in almost an employee fashion to the RAS group, right? Okay. But that, even if you're a company, you can't avoid PSI in that scenario. There are I rules though. This. Okay. Yeah, so there are rules and there are a lot of, there's, there's four tests that the ATO put out and if you pass those tests, you can be considered uh, what's called a PSB or a personal services business and that will allow you to trade as call your entity and be taxed as your entity. Those four tests, so there's the first one, which is called the, the results test. Um, so as long as you're sort of, sort of, you're supposed to be trading that it looks like a business, if that makes sense. So you're- Yeah, not so as an individual. To, yeah, so you're paid to produce a product. You're required to sort of have your own equipment, your own tools. And if you make mistakes, you fix them, not on- on your terms, along those lines. If for whatever reason you're not sort of hitting those, there's three other tests that you can opt to try and hit. So whether it's an unrelated client's test. So, for example, I don't have, you know, call it RAS group and then 
Rask Media, for example, if they're a separate entity, I'm just sort of looking as a yeah. group. That's yeah. considered sort of one client. But for us at Grayspace, we service hundreds of clients. Yeah. Right. So we, we're not really an employee. We're offering a service. We've got staff. We've got this, the incomes generated by the business, not just by mine and Jordan's knowledge. Right. Right. Okay. So it's different. So we pass, call it an unrelated client test because we've got hundreds of different clients who are completely unrelated to us, mm-hmm. the business, and other groups. Then there's like employment tests where if you've got employees completing a percentage of your work that's principal, then you you sort of qualify as well. Then you've got, call I think it's the, um, the business premises test. So if you've got your own commercial space that's different from your home, different from your clients, used only by you, and used to generate income, then you pass that test. So there's quite a few different rules. And I think, I know you said at the start, but like an episode on this would probably be fantastic because there's so many people Yeah. that. So can I give you, I, I know like it's quite technical, so I won't like yeah. try and catch you or anything, but like I'll give you an example of like, say in this case, if they're a healthcare person, they, yes. they go on, they listen to the Australian Business Podcast every week. They subscribe mm-hmm. and leave us a very kind review. Good on them. Um, and then they discover through listening to the structuring mini series that you guys did recently that you can form a company and you can get a fixed rate of tax on your income. And they think to themselves, well, hey, you know, I'm in the medical profession. I could make a lot of money. Um, I'd rather not pay the highest level of marginal tax for an individual. I'm just going to open this company and just do consulting work. And it's to the same hospital that they always work for. And then you guys go and review their tax and you're like, hold on a second. You guys only have one client and you're consulting and you're working from their premises just like an employee would. It doesn't matter what company structure you're going to have. Like they knows, knows that you're trying to pay less tax effectively. Um, and so you might be caught out by this rule. Is that you a will be caught out. Yeah, you will be caught out. So the profits from that. So you can still sort of invoice as a company, trade as a company. But your profits won't be caught into company, call yeah. it company tax threshold. Your profits will be paid out as personal services income into your personal return anyway. That would okay. be the, the proper treatment of it. Okay. Right. So that's why it's so specific. Yeah, yeah, it's so specific to different people because like there's four different tests with four different criterias. You only really have to meet one test. So, yeah. like, even if you fail three but meet one, you're okay. Interesting. So, so that's Matt- why it's, you, you need to speak to someone that understands your position. And I, I've seen it before. This can be so hard to explain. Like, yeah. the explanation of it sort of into, like, a layman's term that a non-accountant to understand can be so difficult. And we see it all the time. And, like, I don't blame the amazing OT for still being sort of not confused, but like still having questions about it, even after being explained by an accountant, because I feel for the accountant, I've been there before. We sort of like it's so hard to relay this information. For what it's worth, though, that makes a lot of sense. Like what you said, it was a good explanation, mate. So I'll give you I a tried. gold, gold star. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, across the RAS network, the biggest um, employer as an industry is healthcare. So there be might be people that are in this consultant field and our customer avatar, I think I've told you this before, like the people that we're targeting, we've got two of them at a, as a company level, are engineers. And I don't mean that this is like 
someone that has a you know a bachelor of engineering or whatever but i mean people who are like tinkerers and consultants and think about like building their own you know passive income streams they're professionals they're doing all this sort of stuff with their tradies they want to leverage their own brand and business so those types of people and so a lot of people would fall into this bucket if they're entrepreneurial like say for example me if i'm doing business coaching and um i only had one client and i sat in their office all year round um, I'd have to be very careful even if I did set up a company. So um, this is really relevant. And we'll, we'll do a separate episode particularly for the folks that – so we can refer back to this again and again and again. Yeah, that was a great explanation, Daniel, so thank you for that. But the other thing that we got sent through, and I'm going to try and break it down, um, and this was from uh, Binfluencer Billy, so a bit of a play on the old influencer. Don't know if their name is Billy, but I'll go with that. And they said, I am the founder of Coastal Bin Busters. We are professional wheelie bin cleaners. For the record, I did not know what that was before I went to their website, uh, which you shared with me, Jordan. Thank you. We started practically in the middle of COVID and have been growing each year. In fact, we are now turning over low six figures and have about 600 customers. Jesus. A lot of them are recurring too, which we are stoked about. We bootstrapped the whole operation and know we are building a team. We have just engaged engage gray space to set up a company well there you go look at that guys yes. a, yeah fist bump. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got a social media guy that's great okay so we have huge aspiration to aspirations to be australia's best bin cleaners and feel as though we are ready to take the next step that's awesome we want to grow into different areas up and down the east coast but not sure about the best approach we know it would be a slow process, but we need to get started at least. We are currently based in Ballina, which is a lovely part of the world near Byron Bay there, and cover the surrounding suburbs. We feel as though there are a few options, but we'd love to hear your opinions. So um, they go on to say that they've basically summed up that there might be three options from here to grow and expand their wheelie bin cleaning business. Uh, the first is to start a franchise. Um, they're worried about the legal part of that but they think you know maybe that means they don't have to provide the services in every town along the coast uh, number two is they offer licensing um, so that they believe it can be quite easy to fall into the same into the franchise model and then be obligated to meet those same legal requirements number three they buy the bullet and just do it all themselves the thing is their prices range from $15.50 per bin to $18 so traveling one hour will soon chew up any cash flow and profit we also know it's a numbers game, so the idea is to get more customers as quickly as possible. Well, if you are on the coast, this is uh, that's the, so they're just asking for some feedback on their strategy. If you are on the coast and you do need your wheelie bin cleaned, um, get in contact with them because uh, they've got a great website and you can get your wheelie bin cleaned. The team comes out to you for a pittance every fortnight, month, or whatever it is. There's a plug uh, for coastal um, coastal bin busters, so uh, check it out. Daniel Jordan. What do you guys think? Jordan, maybe starting with you. What do you think? Like if this is a business that is a success so far by the sounds of it, how do you think about the idea of franchising versus not versus DIY thoughts? Um, I would probably be leaning – I would be leaning towards number three and and the main reason for that is to just – you can still go down option one and two further down the track, but to, to take it to that next level just um, internally for the time being. And the reason for that is you can – set up your processes and make sure everything's running smoothly. So that way you have a sellable product if you did want to franchise it or offer licenses. Yeah, so I think really the, the main point here as well is like hit the nail on the head with the driving radius being an hour and that would significantly 
um, mm. eat your profits, especially given how expensive petrol and, and whatnot is. So maybe some really targeted marketing campaigns to really focus in on a couple of areas, whether it's online, whether it's something like a mailbox drop or, I don't know, work out the bin days and go and slap a sticker, removable sticker on, on the bins as they're out there. So yeah, I think I'd, I'd definitely be leaning towards option three because it gives, it's you always have the ability and it's going to be the cheapest cost to then go into one and two at the mm. same time. Mm. Um, that's, and that's what I was thinking is like you give yourself the best chance to get your systems and your branding right before you franchise, um, mm. which is so important. And I could be wrong. I'm, I'm not intimately familiar, but I've been on the website and had a look at the types of things that they do. It looks like they've got like this portable, like a trailer that they tow around and it picks the bins up and then they can wash them down and clean them and do all these types of things, which is, yeah, it's awesome. which is, which awesome. is really great. Um, so maybe that's probably the capital component of what they've got to invest to do this. Um, the other thing is there might be a lot of latent demand that they can, I guess, latent supply of labor that they can pick up on. Like if, if I'm thinking about expanding a business like this, I'm thinking, well, maybe cause a franchise at its, at its, best is basically just a marketing engine. Like the, the people that own the brand do the marketing for you and then you supply the services. That's basically how they all operate. Um, so yep. you benefit if you run a Maccas from the Maccas advertising, right? And then the Monopoly game and all the app and all that sort of stuff, you benefit. So speaking of, I might go get Maccas after this, but um, <laughs> uh, now that you mention it, <laughs> but, uh, but that's what a franchise does, right? And so mm. maybe they can perfect that and incrementally add suburbs um, and have a thing on their website saying coming soon, register interest for this suburb, the next location, yeah. or, you know, if it's Brunswick Heads up there on the coast, maybe they go coming soon uh, to Brunswick Heads. Put your information in here and we'll let you know when we go live. And in the meantime, they can find people that can do it or at least they can devote a day. So when they drive south and they drive for, you know, an hour, maybe they've got 20 bins or 30 bins to do in that, in that time. Um, yeah. I, f I feel like that's a lower risk way to to do it rather than bet the house on a franchise model too early. Yeah, I agree. It's very blue ocean strategy, I think, as well. Like very un from from the research that I did, it's like pretty uncontested market. So huge opportunity, huge upside. Mm. I didn't even know it was a thing. Have you guys ever had your wheelie bin professionally cleaned? No, no but the complex next door to me does, and I always they're always cleaning it, and I'm getting into the car to come to work, and I go, oh. I should get my bins clean, get in the car, drive off every time. And I was like, I should get their number. And I never do. But I, I think, oh, yeah, I would. I yeah, I think I think one of the salient points here is that they they probably know that time is of the essence. Like they want to expand quickly because um, they know that maybe the competitive advantage won't be there forever or like the, the, the first mover advantage. So there is something to be said there. Maybe they can do the licensing regime. I'm not intimately familiar with the um, the franchising laws and the rules around that. I've read many of the contracts, mind you, and they are very long and complicated. But uh, in terms of like just getting access to new geographic areas, I think that's what they want. And I think an easier way to do that is to experiment by expanding the network slowly and slowly. Like um, there's a really good um, franchise on the ASX. It's called... Um, it's called, what's the early learning centers? Oh, I've forgotten the Kit McGrath. That's it, Kit McGrath on the ASX. Uh, and the team there basically have different levels of standards for their franchises and they're slowly upgrading them. But one of the lessons that I took from that business is that the importance of getting your franchise right 
in the early days, Kip McGrath would only charge $12,000, a flat fee for the um, for the license, basically, to use the branding and to get the network effect. And 10 or 20 years later, they're still trying to unwind those agreements. And so to make a mistake like that early on is something that you don't want to do um, because you'll just basically shooting yourself in the foot. So I, I would agree. If you get that repeatability in the process, maybe one suburb at a time, that would be kind of cool. If Just put you guys on the spot here. If you were going to try and grow this business, like you were going to try and attract more wheelie bin cleaning clients, how would you do it? Like how would you market um, it? How would you get out there? Two, two things, three things. So there's significant amount of customer data already. So there's an email list there to continue to blast out to. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, probably some type of paid acquisition, Facebook ads probably because you can really target areas and mm. people's behaviors like being a homeowner. Um, what was the third one? Maybe a letterbox drop. Yeah. Some people that- really target areas that way, but they're, they're, they're my three because you've got yeah. organic and you've got a paid acquisition strategy there. Yeah, I think that's that's great. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's like the letter drop box drop for the third one. I think that's really good. Refer a friend, that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, that would be really cool. There's a lot of like for, for website owners and people like this, there's a lot of plugins that you can use out there or like tools that you can use where someone can make a referral and you don't have to worry about the complexity of like, oh, was it Greg or Jeremy that made that referral? Like you don't have to manage that. There are what's called affiliate uh, software or networks where you can just basically upload your information. Everyone gets a unique code they can send to a friend and it kind of all happens automatically. So you can use those pieces of software, particularly if you have a WordPress website. Uh, there are heaps of plugins that do that, that generate affiliate codes. So, um, and some of them integrate directly with Stripe or however you take your payments as well. So that's kind of cool. Well, this is great, guys. So we got through three questions this week. Um, I do love the idea of Daniel read, hashtag reading books, uh, air quotes of <laughs> reading books uh, in 15 minutes. He's going to be a god in about, in about four weeks. He's going to be like, yeah, I, I read that it. one. <laughs> I'm going to say I've read more books than you guys eventually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And um, yeah, I mean, that's the thing though. Like I normally just take two or three really big ideas from books and that's enough for me. If I'm, I'm happy if I get that. But um, so if you can get that in 15 minutes, why not? Um, but uh, people can send their questions in by following the link in the YouTube description or just in the podcast player. If you're listening to this on a Sunday or a Monday, just put a put your comment in there. You select the Australian Business Podcast. You can say, you know, whether it's feedback or just a question, chuck it in there. There'll be a link in this week's uh, podcast to professional, is it professional services income? Is that what we call it? Yeah, person, yeah professional services income. Per, per, and pers- Personal services income. Personal services income. Okay. And the other one I don't is- I know why I said yes to them. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one is um, we'll put a link in for the director loans and the dividends division 7A um, because those are really important things. If you want to get in contact with us, uh, there is a link also in your podcast player to get in touch with Grace Space. Um, if you want us to do mini series, episodes, these types of things, we're happy to do it. Um, and I'm happy to get- people some free advice from the team at gray space over here on air live on a friday so uh so make most of it yeah and um guys this has been a fun um enjoy what's on for the weekend and uh, i'll see you next week see you mate cheers guys thanks for listening to this episode of the australian business podcast 
I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening.